Welcome to the Your Story is Our Story podcast, brought to you by the new 3Rs.org, which is dedicated to telling the social justice stories of yesterday and today. My name is Neil Foote, host of this podcast, where we will have honest, heartfelt, and heart-wrenching conversations about race and culture in our communities. This podcast is our way of helping you join us in our mission. The new three R's educates and empowers through the art of social justice storytelling, building relationships and fostering a sense of responsibility. We are creating a more civic and compassionate society, one child at a time. In today's episode of Your Story is Our Story, we bring you part three of our intergeneration conversation featuring Lola West, who is founding partner of West Fuller Advisors that provides strategic insight and investment advice to nationally recognized organizations and net worth and exclusive clientele in the United States and abroad. She is joined by students Jaden and Nisa, who are two wonderfully brilliant and inspiring young women. During today's conversation, Lola, Jaden, and Nisa discuss Black Lives Matter and the state of race and culture in America. We wrap up this episode with our very own Danny Gore, who will offer this week's Black History class. You know, you know where do we go from here? It's 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 a it's a fascinating uh, time in which we live. I'm thrilled that I know that there are Jadens and Nieces out there doing their thing. I'm thrilled to know that there have been Lola's uh, fighting the good fight for all these years and that, uh, that, that I'm part of this generation that really wants to drive change. Um, you know, for, you know, and I'll, I'll start with you, you Nisa, and then I'll go to you, Jaden. I mean, with all that's been going on, the, the, the uh, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor have become household names. You know, certainly Black Lives Matter from what we've seen the past year and the contrast of what you just pointed out, Nisa, about what we've seen happen at the Capitol are all top of mind. What's, um, yeah, you talk about advocacy and, and fighting for this. As you go into, you know, this new year, uh, what are some of the things that are top of mind that are are important for you uh, and and uh, to accomplish this year, and you know how uh, how emboldened do you feel about moving forward with so many of the ideas that you have? Um, just for me, I think just learning how to balance these two. Like I've always been saying, I I feel like there's so much ownership that is placed on Black people to be the one to make the change, and it's 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 not a one way. It's not a one sided thing. It's a two way street. You can't have black people fighting against white people saying, okay, you're racist, you can't say this, this is prejudice, you, you're being colorist or saying all these things. And then there's white people like, okay, okay, okay. And they're not making a change. There's not anything going on. It has to be, you have to work <laughs> with black people in order for to make this happen. And if there isn't working with, you know, if you're not working with black people, you just, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> and I think, for me, I just, I need to understand and just going forward, I will be there when I need to fight for something. I will be there to call people in and to re-educate and to reform. But if there's nothing going on and there's no, there's no change and I'm not seeing any 
um, different perspectives or anything like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stop fighting because that's mentally exhausting for me. And the burden shouldn't be, it shouldn't be just on me to make a change. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Nisa. It's so important to learn um, for yourself and for other people. Um, so that's pretty much what I wanna do this year. Um, I find that I do most of my learning through books. Um, and, and so I have a ton of books. I have like a list um, of books to read about black history and kind of all, section, um, all sections of life. Um, there's this book called The Color of Law that's you know about like gerrymandering and housing situations with black people. And then of course, everything that I learn, I wanna take it with me where I go. Um, I think it's important to make my, you know, classmates aware of what I've learned because, of course, not everyone is going to have the station. So whenever it comes up, I would love to be able to know what I'm talking about. And um, I don't want to say educate people because, like Nisa was saying, it's not my job as a Black person to educate people. But I think to give them some information that could be useful to them in some way. Um, and this is going into the future, but I really want to be a doctor. And so something that I focus on, well, more specifically, like a surgeon or something like that. So something that I learn a lot about is um, health disparities among Black people in the medical field. Um, you know, for example, like Serena Williams, she basically had to save her own life when she had a baby. Um, she had a blood clot that was about to kill her and she went and she told the doctors that something was wrong and they ignored her completely. And so she had to like massage her blood clot back down her leg to keep it from killing her. And black women are like two or three times more likely to die during childbirth than, you know, white people and I, think that it's important to understand why those things happen and it goes back to the history of you know black people black women being experimented on back during slavery and all of those things so I want to educate myself about that and take that with me when I hopefully you know go to college and go through med school and everything like that and try to make change wherever I go. So Neil I would like to address what Nisa and Jaden said when you said that when you get tired, you're going to stop, it's exhausting. I'd like you to think about that. I've just said to you that what you said happened to me 50 years ago. You can't just decide that you're not gonna do it anymore because then you're going to live in the same situation that doesn't work. So unfortunately, some of us do stop and that's why we are where we are. And then it's more for others to do that keep on. So my request is for you and Jaden to keep going because you're the leaders. If you're not there, who's, they're not gonna have anyone to follow. We're tired as black people. And then the four girls getting killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church. Then, you know, the three people that got killed now we had a black president, wonderful, but we paying for that black boy for real. It's so angered America. This 75 million is like, well, we will tear this girl down. That's how crazy the racists are. 
So I'm sorry, but y'all don't get a chance to stop. Because self-care for people who do the work is extraordinarily important. And I cannot impress that upon you enough. You have to disconnect sometimes. If you don't do self-care, you will pay for it. I developed high blood pressure at Merrill Lynch. And I'll give you an example. I was there for two years and I, a black woman at a major foundation got the brand new CFO to take a meeting with me. They had a $410 million endowment, okay? I went to my boss who was black and I said to him, I need you know, one of the teams to go with me. Well, he called one of the teams in, which was four white men. And they said, oh no, that foundation's not leaving. And I said to myself, ain't that nothing? If they had gotten the appointment, they'd have gone, but they made up in their minds that because I was black, I wasn't gonna get anything. And they were also pissed that I had the opportunity to bid for a $400 million contract, okay? So that kind of stress all the time. I was personal friends with a billionaire. I wanted to go see her. They wouldn't send anybody with me to go see her. Okay. So, and that caused me to get high blood pressure, but I stayed at Merrill nine years and I did well. They didn't want to hire me. Do you understand? They didn't want to hire me. And my first deposit was $3 million, okay? So self-care is important because they'll kill you because they don't see you as you've had the experience. You have to, you have to take care of yourself. So don't, don't slip on that. Uh, that, is, that is so important, uh, I, I think. You know, the, the lessons that we've talked about here of, of, of not only you know, standing up for ourselves, continuing to, to advocate for what we believe in, not only individually, but, you know, what, what we, we talk about our people, but it is our people in so many different ways. Uh, but, but I think, you know, Lola, you just kind of poignantly say that the yeah, as as the baton is being passed you know, on, I, I think what we know is that for uh, Nisa and Jaden is that um, your abilities to to understand the world around you, your abilities to process that uh, there are things that are good and things that are are not so good, and we gotta fix this. Um, uh, you're also your ability to know when to find uh, those battles and fight them on behalf of yourselves uh, and also knowing that uh, you do have a community and a family uh, uh, around you and a, a legacy to support everything that you've done uh, in pushing you know these ideas forward i think that that's a powerful powerful feeling to have and 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 hopefully um, in our conversation today, you picked up some of those themes that for what Lola has accomplished and will continue to accomplish uh, are pretty amazing. And we've just kind of scratched the surface with some of those, those issues. Um, uh, I'll pause there for a moment and 
Jaden and Nisa, and any reaction to some of the advice that that Lola has offered you all, Jaden? Um, yeah, I just wanted, I guess I'll start by just saying it also really shocks me that we're experiencing the same thing that you did um, back during the civil rights movement. And it just shows how extremely slow change is, but it also shows, you know, it kind of feels like things didn't really change and we're not, you know, openly, segregation isn't an openly accepted idea anymore, but there's still so much segregation in the entire country. Um, and so it just kind of reminds me how, you know, things don't really disappear. They kind of just turn into like from one thing to another and it kind of just <laughs> becomes more undercover. Yeah, and it just reminds me of like performative activism and just so many things. And it's almost disheartening to see that things don't really change that much, but that it also shows me like how important it is that, you know, there are people, you know, young people to kind of carry on the work that has been done and try to make actual change. Um, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with Jaden, like, and just what you were saying, it's just astonishing that we're still talking about the same things over and over today. And I feel like the greatest mind trick that white people have ever played is just that you <laughs> think that nothing, ha that something has changed, but nothing has really ever changed. They're going to show it to you in a certain way, like, okay, yeah, let's add some diversity initiatives in our schools. And yeah, you know, we're going to work on like developing HBCUs. Um, and it's not, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, there's no cha real change being made. And just going back to Jaden's point about performative activism, a lot of what I've seen this summer, and just especially with young people, is kind of like, glorifying the BLM movement and making it a trend, like something that's been like a trendy, cute thing to hop on and it's the new fad and everyone's gonna say, okay, yeah, Black Lives Matter now. But I've been experiencing that since, literally since since I've been born, <laughs> you know? And now that it's, it's, now it's a huge conversation. And I remember just having one experience where I was um, I was taking a break during the weeks of the George Floyd incident um, because I was I was traumatized and I was having you know I was having anxiety and I was doing I was going through the motions and some little white girl had the audacity to ask me why I wasn't talking about it why I wasn't posting and I was just like huh I'm living this <laughs> like I don't feel that I have the need to constantly be fighting something. Um, and if I need to take a break, I need to take a break. That's just how it is. Um, and I think just the arrogance that has developed now that like we've, we're better people, we've come so far, but we really haven't. There, there has not, 400 years have not passed since <laughs> slavery. So we ju we're just out of freedom. We, I mean, we're just out of bondage. So I just feel like just, I don't know, it's just a lot has- I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. I would disagree with you out of bondage. There are more people in prison now than ever before. And the prison system and the police system started to take care of slaves. Mm -hmm. Sorry to cut you off. 
No, it's okay. I can. You too smart for that. <laughs> Yeah, I completely the history straight. Okay. Add brainwashed to your list of books by Tom Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L. -L. He was a guy that started Burrell Communications, which was one of the leading advertising companies in America in the 60s. He wrote the book Brainwashed because he's the one when I referred to the best advertising strategy ever created in America. He wrote that book. Okay. Fascinating. Lola, any closing uh, thoughts about these two young ladies and, and the, uh, the journeys that they're, they've embarked on and are about to embark on in life? I'm honored to have had the opportunity to sit and listen to what you all have gone through. I'm so sorry. I mean, I was trying to get through that part without crying because it just pissed me off so much that 50 years later, I really wanted to just hollow. So I hope your children, should you choose to have them, don't have to go through that. But as Jaden mentioned, you know, it's a long time going on, honey. So it may not be, but it may be, but that's why you all can't stop. And it's tiring, but it has to be, and that just has got, I mean, like I thought surely in my lifetime, given what I've, I've seen, because I have lived, I mean, what a time to be alive. I have seen some stuff, y'all. It's a lot. It's a lot. So, but we can't stop fighting because one of the things that keeps me going, and I leave this with you all, is I know I couldn't have been a slave because I'd have killed them all. All right? Just straight out. And I'll tell you what I said when I was in South Africa one day to let you know just how crazy I can be. We were a group of us, a friend of mine does a trip around the world, not around the world, someplace special in the world every year. And we pick where we're going. So we went to South Africa. So we had been in Nelson Mandela's prison cell. We had been to the high court where they had all the tribunals. We had seen a lot, okay? A lot like how white prisoners, black prisoners and prisoners of colors food. White folks got meat and vegetables. Colored people got vegetables. Black people got like the soup from it, the sop from it, no real nothing, okay? So that, these were two days we were in South Africa and we went to a house in Cape Town because Cape Town is at the Cape, at the end of South Africa. <clears throat> and they build houses into mountains, but no black people live in those houses and no black people go in the water. So we're up in this fabulous house and this white woman who is a, cardi a pediatric cardiologist 
started telling me what she's been doing to help black children. I don't know whether or not she wanted me to be happy. I don't know whether she thought I'd be thankful. I turned around and I looked at her and I said this straight to her. I said, you know what? Y'all are pretty lucky because if it had been me, I'd have killed all of you. And the person who invited me, he, I mean, if he tells the story, because it's hysterical, he said, the woman come over, came over to me, came over to him and told him what I said. Like she thought he was going to do something. <laughs> I was like, he not, you know, he, he looked, he said, she's entitled to her opinion. And that's how I feel about it. But <clears throat> take what your intentions are and follow them through. Always have an intention, both of you. Know what it is that you want to do. Know that what it is that you want to accomplish. Because the only way you get something done is if you set it as an intention or a goal. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's that I'm going to do, I'm going to be a doctor. By when? What kind of medicine do you want to practice? Nisha, I haven't heard from you. And you don't have to say it now. But know what it is that you want to do. And then you'll accomplish it. I just wanted to thank you for all of your advice and your wisdom that you've imparted and the stories that you've shared. I really enjoyed this conversation and I learned so much. So I just wanted to say yes. Oh, you're welcome. And I was just going to say thank you as well. I this is something I'm going to remember forever. I've like I was so excited to come to this conversation and just have just like a really nice experience and I feel like it's really provided me with a lot of wisdom. Like Jaden was saying and I'm just going to take this advice with me and I thank you so much and what you can also do is you can share this you know you can share it with your friends don't be afraid to talk the conversation has to go on oh I know what I was going to say that time remember millions of slaves came across on the ships all of them didn't survive. So the ones that did, I dare might say were the strongest. So remember that's the stock you come from. If they made it across the passage, they lived in this place for 400 years and you're their progeny, then how do you get to give up? Thank you all. This is a wonderful conversation. The new three R's podcast. The new three R's educates and empowers through the art of social justice, storytelling, building relationships, and fostering a sense of responsibility. We are creating a civic and a compassionate society, one child at a time. Today's conversation is just one great way we hope to continue these conversations. 
I want to thank you all again. And the conversation is just starting. The work is just beginning. And the efforts that we put into this, the hard work we put into this, the passion we put into all these efforts really will bear fruits. So thank you all for joining this conversation. Hi, I'm Danny Gore Sr. presenting today's Black History class. Nurse Della Hayden Rainey was born in Suffolk, Virginia on January 19, 1912, the fourth of 12 children to George H. and Willie V. Rainey. Nurse Rainey chose to attend nursing school in North Carolina and became a proud graduate of Durham's Lincoln Hospital School of Nursing, class of 1937. After graduation, she worked as an operating room supervisor at Lincoln Hospital. When the United States entered World War II, Nurse Rainey was anxious to serve her country and applied for a position in the Army Nurse Corps. Initially, her application was denied due to race. Until 1941, the Army only employed white nurses. Despite this rejection, Nurse Rainey persisted in her effort to become an Army nurse. A nurse needed the endorsement of the American Red Cross to be considered for military service. She wrote in 1983, when I entered nursing more than 40 years ago, it was serious business for me. It was a commitment to give my life for a cause, that of caring for those who were ill. It was this strong desire to elevate my profession that led me to volunteer for military service in 1940 with the United States Army Nurse Corps. Getting accepted by the Red Cross was difficult for graduates of black nursing schools in the South, but I persisted in overcoming this barrier to the point of writing Miss Mary Beard, who at the time was the director of nursing for the American Red Cross. Telling her of my desire to serve my country and practice my profession. Miss Beard applied with my membership card, certificate, and pin. Nurse Rainey's determination paid off. In April 1941, she became the first African American nurse accepted into the United States Army Nurse Corps at the rank of second lieutenant. I'm Danny Gore Sr. and this is your Black History class.